You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learned. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1 0. Blue fast shot. Oh my word. He ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show. And no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thank you for making the show a part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it. And welcome to episode 116. Uh, where we actually get to talk about yet another win, back-to-back wins for Saints. Granted, they were three weeks apart due to the FA Cup fixtures and the international break, but uh, a win away at Brighton, uh, moving us a little bit further away from the bottom three. And uh, overall, uh, not not too much to complain about. Um, my biggest complaint is that I wasn't around to watch it. And uh, after not being around Saints, not having Saints to watch for a couple of weeks, we had a family engagement in the wonderful California city. Um, and I live in California. You, most of you know that. Um, and it's a great place. It's, it's a fantastic place to live. You would think that a city named with the state's name in it um, would be also great. And it's not. Um, just Google it. And that's where I went. That's where I spent my weekend. Um, the best part about it was that the hotel that was supposed to have our reservation, uh, my father-in-law made the, made the hotel reservation for himself. Um, he then transferred it over to our name. He, I guess also shortened the stay so that when we got there on Saturday after the, uh, the funeral that we had to attend, uh, kind of ready to go to sleep and, and ready to turn it in. They, uh, they didn't have a reservation. So that was cool. Uh, and they were full, which was even cooler. So, uh, what we did instead was, uh, drive home, which I enjoy sleeping in my own bed. I'm very happy for that. I would have also liked sleep before that, but that's okay. And, uh, the nice thing was, is I got to do the interview with Michael Kern, who is this week's guest. He's at Michael Kern on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but I got to do it with him right here uh, where I'm sitting now doing this. And that is really, it's my comfort zone, I guess. What's outside of my comfort zone is, is not having coffee that early in the morning. And I knew we were out of coffee. I had made it all the previous day when we, when we drove over to California City. And I knew that we'd be back in the afternoon. I'd have time to go to the store before I need a coffee, blah, blah, blah. Um, but unfortunately... I got up that morning after getting back about midnight, got up about four and uh, had no coffee. So um, we did the best we could because that's what you do. It's just, you just make the best of it. And um, I guess sometimes you just got to find a way to win. And I think we did. I think the episode came off well. Um, Michael, if you don't know him, he works for Premier League Productions. He is uh, probably a familiar face and a familiar voice. If you watch ever a Premier League fan zone that uh, he, he often hosts the show, uh, that's where I first met him. Uh, now over a year and a half ago, and it's been it's been a good, uh, nice uh, journey with to be able to talk to him quite frequently on there and and on Instagram and stuff like that from uh, 
and everywhere else. So uh, it's a pleasure to have him on. And, and part of the reason he's back on is one, he's a Saints fan. Uh, two, that's most important. Two, I just like talking to him. That's actually probably the most important. Um, but three, he's completed uh, the book that we talked about. So back on episode 60, we talked about him writing um, Desire, Dream, Vision, which is the book he was working on. And it is done. It is out. You can buy it now um, at desiredreamvision.com. And we come on, he's coming on to talk about writing the book, about, about what it's like to complete it about what it means to him and about what kind of drove him to do that. So, um, and he talks a lot about inspiration and, and, and the different things that can inspire us all. And, uh, this is a clip actually way back from episode 60 when he was on before, when he was talking, uh, about something that was very special to him, uh, the FA cup winner's medal that was given to him. And, uh, here, I'll play the clip for you here. Yeah, it's so important. Inspiration, like literally, I, I mentioned the piece of memorabilia. I've got one of the FA Cup winners' medals from 1976. Dave Peach is a, is a family friend, and he kind of um, my he got given to me for my 17th birthday. But when I was 13, 14, he kind of passed me this medal and said, "Look, whatever you want in life, if you want it bad enough, you can get it." And uh, Dave's still a good friend, and I was on the phone to him the other week. He's a lovely guy, David Peach, and uh, you know, I, I look at that medal every single day, and I'm just like, you know what? That inspires me, and inspiration's key. Like I said, with the with the book and stuff, you know, you, you need things in life that inspire you. And whether it be that interview I did or, or something tangible like the medal and things like that, you know, you, you need that bit of inspiration. And if there's one thing Michael does, he he kind of radiates positivity. He is always uh, uh, upbeat and it's it's not always easy. It's It, it takes effort for me to be that way. Uh, my normal demeanor, I think, is to be a little bit more glum. Um, but you just do what you can and you fight against it and, and you you can't help when you talk to Michael, you can't help smiling and, and feeling like things are going well because um, they are, they feel like they're going well. And so we talk about the team, we talk about the book, we talk about the win over Brighton. Although uh, I'll be honest, I had only seen the highlights up until, uh, up until that point. So uh, not, not my favorite thing to do uh, is talk about a game that I haven't seen, but um, I, I think, I think it all goes okay. And I'm really looking forward to this Friday for one reason or another, obviously Liverpool, Managed to get a win on Sunday after Michael and I recorded, but um, Friday night under the lights, it should be good. And um, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to the match. I may call in sick so I can watch it, but uh, we'll keep that uh, we'll keep that under wraps. Um, the only other thing I'd like to say is it's now been one year since I came over to the UK and got to see my first game. The you know the memories are coming in on Facebook, and I I it, it is it's still such a special day. I still think of it so fondly. Um, just, I put a video on Instagram of, uh, uh, the first time I ever saw a premier league pitch. That was, that was it. Uh, it was on camera and you could just, the noise, um, from the saints fans that were there, the music, just seeing it. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of emotion. Uh, even though it wasn't St. Mary's, it was, uh, it was the London stadium, but just a lot, there's a lot, uh, kind of wrapped up in that. And I, I cannot thank, uh, enough of you, uh, especially Freddie from the ugly inside for making sure I actually got to the stadium. Um, and Roy and Wiz and a couple of other guys who made sure that I had tickets and things like that after the, the arrangements that I had made previously fell through. So, um, a lot of good people, Dan James as well, um, for hanging out at, outside the Waterloo train station or tube station to, uh, to make sure we got a beer after, after the match. And, um, just, just a lot of time. And JJ Hughes also, we met up with him beforehand. So, um, anyway, my, uh, I, I'm looking forward to doing that again. It's not going to be this season, but, uh, we'll be back over soon and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll write some wrongs because a three nil win, uh, or sorry, a three nil loss. is not really the, the memory I want to, I want to have, but, um, I was telling some people today, 
I would do it all again, knowing the result. If I if I knew the Saints were going to lose three nothing, um, I would still show up because it's they mean that much to me to, to to do it. And I think you all would too. Anyway, we don't talk about losses because we won, and uh, Michael Kern is winning, and uh, we're going to get into that discussion with him right now. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Michael Kern. You can get in touch with him on Twitter and Instagram at Michael Kern or at Desire Dream Vision. Uh, Michael, you got a new book out. You got a lot of work ahead of you and and behind you. Uh, and we're here to talk about that. Talk about the win over Brighton. And uh, welcome back to the show. And thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me back on. Pleasure to come back on the show. It's um, yeah, it's a busy time, obviously, with uh, not many games left in the Premier League season. So it's all hotting up and kind of we're into that final run now international breaks are done and dusted with so with no distractions and that's busy and it's been a, a crazy few months with the book so yeah it's it's exciting times now i do have a question about that because it seems like you know uh, i follow a lot of the presenters from the premier league on on instagram especially because uh, you know sometimes i get to go on the show i'm lucky enough to, to have been on there quite a few times and i always try to follow them and and uh you know follow you guys after that and, and kind of make sure i stay in touch and say thanks for having me on and all that stuff and a lot of people go on vacation during the international break and you instead decided to release a book and do a bunch of events and put together a bunch of posters and poster boards and all that stuff. So like, did did you plan it that way? I mean, or did it just happen, happen that way or how did that work? It just happened that way, really. So the the book I kind of started writing about two years ago, um, put the backbone in place of of what I wanted to say and what I wanted to write. Um, And then just over the last year or so, you develop it and you work on the philosophies of the book and and really pin down what what your message is. Um, and then it just got to a point where it's like, I've been putting this off long enough now. Um, and 26 is my lucky number. So I just turned around and went 26th of March, the book's coming out and it was nowhere near finished. Um, and then it just happened to coincide with an international break and it coincided with a few other little bits and pieces as well. So yeah, there was no real planning. It was just kind of one of those moments where I just sat there and thought, right, enough's enough now. Got to get this book out and this is the date. And then we, we've worked out how we were going to get it out there. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, I guess, you know? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of, of writing the book, is this is this the first book that you've ever written or had you written uh, one uh, something else in the past or, or no? So I've done a few articles for magazines and newspapers and bits and pieces, but no, I've never written a book before. Um, and everyone kind of says everyone's got a book inside them somewhere. Um, and it just kind of really got the idea for off the back of the motivational speaking I was doing when one of the teachers at a school said, you know, you should put all this into a book and a book that can inspire some young people. So that was kind of the spark for it really and kind of developed it and it's got activities to do at the end of each chapter and questions to ask yourself. And yeah, it's been really rewarding actually writing a, a book to inspire people and to motivate them and share a few anecdotes of my journey as well and share what inspires me. And of course, Southampton get a mention in there along, along the way as well. So, um, yeah, no, it's been a great process. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm already working on the second and third one. So um, once you start, you just get the bug. Yeah, yeah. And I, I do want to ask you about, you know, the setting of the of the deadline, because I think sometimes people, when you, when you start a project, at least this is, this is me, and I think this is how it works for most people, is you start a project, you get super, super excited about it. And then as things go, you, you know, you hit blocks and, and kind of obstacles. And sometimes people get derailed or they get hung up. So like, did did that happen to you? And if so, like, how did you, how did you work past that? Like, I guess, how did, uh, what did you have to do to yourself? Was it just set the deadline and say, it has to come out this date, so I have to finish it now? Or how did you kind of work over that stuff? Yeah, definitely. The deadline was a big thing because that was obviously, you've got no excuse there. Once you've turned around and, and announced that you're going to be publishing on a certain date, you don't want to fail. You don't want to not complete a deadline and not make it. 
Um, but there were hurdles along the way. You know, I was, I was quite lucky because I was quite adamant from day one that I was very happy to kind of self-publish it. I didn't want to be, you know, restricted to having a publisher. Um, so my management team were great and they turned around and said, look, let's try and get you a publisher. And we put a nice big document together saying this is what the book's about. This is who our target audience is. This is a breakdown of all what's in each chapter. Um, and we got great feedback from publishers, but no one really wanted to take it on. So, you know, I guess if you were reliant on a publisher, that would be a moment that would have maybe disheartened you slightly. But because I was always quite focused on, well, look, the whole premise of the book is achieving your dreams and goals no matter what and make it happen. For me, self-publishing and, and after getting rejected from publishers was a bit of a bit of a no-brainer. It's like, well, look, this is even more of the ethos of the book and, and what it's about. So let's go and make it happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's I think it's important. I think it's important that you were like, I guess, willing to to do that. And, and you were willing to work past that because I think a lot of people would have said, well, I guess my idea is not good enough. And then you just kind of, kind of shut it down. And that's not, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's kind of a normal thing, but also um, there are people out there who would, I guess, do what you did and just go like, well, like that's just, that's one person or a couple of people who have said no. And yeah. that, that doesn't mean that nobody else is going to say yes. And, and so you, you, you move on and do it. So, um, I guess kudos to you yeah. for that and, and congratulations again on, on getting that thing out there. Um, yeah, you've got to believe, right? That's what yeah. it's about. It's like, you know, I, I talk about inspiration in the book quite a bit. And, you know, one of the bits of the inspiration I talk about Saints in 1976, you know, how, you know, the boys went up there to take on Man United, a league above them. And, you know, they came back at winning and as champions when they got written off. So, you know, I use that a lot as inspiration that, you know, if anyone tries to write me off or says, you know, you're not good enough, you're not going to make it. And as I say, when I used to play football with, anyone kind of doubted me I kind of wanted to prove them wrong even more so um yeah it's just having that belief in yourself and if, if you believe in a project no matter what anyone says keep going and keep fighting and keep believing yeah I was this is kind of off off topic a little bit but I was having a, a fairly um uh, I don't know intense conversation with a student the other day after school and um we were talking about some some fairly personal stuff but uh one of the things he asked me is you know like you know like did I have a like, how did I, how did I do it? How did I get to where I was and how did I kind of get over some of those things? You know, and he asked me about like father figures and stuff like that. And I said, you know what I did is I found one person every single year, uh, whether it was in sport or whether it was in my classroom from college or whatever. Um, I found one person who said I couldn't do it. And I just set out to not be mean to them or anything else. Just, just prove to them that I could do it. Um, yeah. so baseball coaches, teachers, um, I had an, I had an instructor, I had a baseball coach, you know, uh, my junior high school tell me that there are a lot of places I belonged, but on a baseball field wasn't one of them. And, you know, I went on to play uh, at the junior college level, which for me was, was above and beyond what I thought I was going to do. I had a, um, I had a history professor at school who just told me I wasn't cut out to teach, uh, that I probably wasn't ever going to get an A in her class. Uh, and she didn't teach a subject that I liked particularly. Um, but I went back and took her class in a subject that she really liked and got an A. Um, and just wow. did stuff like, and, and now I'm a teacher and it's like, you know, I, I actually kind of thankful for that because it's a, they're all kind of a wake up call. Um, so I guess it's just all kind of how you, how you, how you process things and how you, how you, cause I think, I think at other points in my life, like maybe that would have just shut me down, but I, I think that's just kind of what I've turned it into. And, and so I need that every once in a while. It's just like, well, that's a challenge and I can, I can do a challenge. I can accomplish a challenge, I think. Um, and sometimes I don't, yeah. but that's okay. No, completely. I remember, um, when I was playing football growing up, you know, I, my, my goal was to be a professional footballer and play for Southampton and play in the Premier League. And I had trials at AFC Bournemouth. And I remember it got to the end of a eight week trial that I was there and I got dropped and they said, look, you know, better than what we've already got. So it wasn't that I was rubbish, but, you know, I, this was no better than, than what they already had signed. So I got dropped and I cried in the car all the way home. And then 
my dad just went, well, give up then. And then the next day I went into school. It was the first day of, the, of my final year. And my PE teacher, Mr. Cleaver, turned around and said, right, district trials tomorrow. Michael, off you go. And, um, you know, that, he showed that belief in me after someone the day before had kind of said, you're not good enough. And, and that's half right. If you just believe in yourself and, you know, I find like I never want to prove people wrong in the sense of I'm doing it because that's why I do it. For me, I do it. Well, you, uh-huh. you said I could do it. I believe in myself and I'm going to make it happen. So it's important to use that. I think that's in any kind of goal or ambition, no matter how big or small, you know, if you can use that to fuel you on and when the times get tough, use that to, to fuel your passion. I think that's key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I kind of just jumped into the desired dream vision questions, assuming that people had probably heard of it or, or are familiar with it. And I, maybe we should back up just a little bit, just and kind of explain kind of what it is. Cause yeah, cool. you do motivational speaking. Um, yep. you, uh, you know, I mean, you're, a, you're a Southampton local and you've been around for a long time and you work for the premier league and, and other and do pre- uh, presentation stuff as well. But, um, just for, I guess for a, a, an overview of the book and, and the idea behind it, like what is Desire Dream Vision and kind of how did you get started with all of that? So Desire Dream Vision has been part of my life since I was about 14. So um, there's a really cool Muhammad Ali quote, which says that champions aren't made in gyms. They're made from something deep inside, a desire, a dream and a vision. You've got to have the skill and the will, but the will must be stronger than the skill. Um, and I just had that post-it note on my mirror in my bedroom Um Every single day I woke up and looked at it when I was 15, 16, 17, trying to make it as a footballer. And just the words desire during vision just leapt off every day at me. Um, and they kind of became my little motto. And I kind of developed that thought process. And then when it got to about 2015, 16, I went back to my old school to do a talk. Um, and I said, this is awesome. You should do this more often. So the five secrets of you know, success, which the talk was about, turned into this whole desire, dream, vision, philosophy of fear, failure, sacrifice, opportunity, um, having a plan, um, what inspires you, what's your why, um, just became this presentation. And everyone was like, this is so good and so inspiring. And, you know, we've, we've inspired thousands of, people, thousands of people so far, like right across the world. I get messages from across the globe, people that have seen bits and pieces of what I do. So, you know, it's amazing to be able to, to give a little bit back. And I think that's mainly what this project is for me really it's you know I'm very blessed and very lucky to to do the job I do you know from wanting to be that footballer and then becoming a tv presenter you know I'm incredibly blessed it's taken a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck as well um but if I can use that experience and and my knowledge of what I've had to do to get there to inspire someone else that that's why I do it really it's it's a big kind of giving back thing for me you know and it, it's been an amazing journey and you know so I'm, I'm really blessed to do it so if I can help a couple of people just follow that dream and the, and the book is a massive part of that now um you know and i use anecdotes of different things that i've experienced and other famous examples throughout it to to inspire people we've had some great feedback so far we've only been out for less than a week so it's um yeah it's an exciting little project and so i get a lot of enjoyment out of it from sharing my story and and helping people unleash their potential yeah um i mean now that i mean you've you've completed the book and this has been, you know, uh, it's just part of the desired dream vision kind of, I guess, process. And, and it's just part of what you've been doing. But I mean, I guess moving from writing to doing the promotion side of it, do, did you have a hard time with that? Or is that, does that even come a little bit natural to you? Does it feel kind of weird? Cause like for me, I, I, I hate telling people about the show. Like it's so stupid. Like I spend a lot of time doing it. Uh, I really enjoy doing the show, but when it comes to like, Hey, you should listen to this. And, 
uh, and I don't say it that way because that would be like really, really yeah. rude. But like, <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, like this is something I've been working really hard on. If, if you're a Saints fan, maybe you will enjoy this. Um, you know, and I try to explain it. Like, I just feel it always feels kind of, uh, it comes off kind of weird, I think. And I'm not very, very good at that. And what about, has that been difficult for you or, or are you just kind of still just, I guess, always doing, uh, putting forth the desire, dream, vision kind of principles and, and things like that. And then also telling people, Hey, there's this, there's this book, this resource you can take with you now, uh, and have, and, and I, I don't know, how does that, how has that been working for you? Yeah, do you know what? it's um yeah I totally get that right when you when you do a project and that and you kind of you know you want to share it with the world there's that kind of little bit of oh you know do you, do you want to read this like a little bit of like nervousness around it you know because um you know I'm I, I hate sales I'm rubbish I remember one of the jobs I did you know in the process of of trying to get to where I wanted to get to I was an estate agent for like two weeks um and I hated the whole sales thing of oh you should buy this go and have a little look at this go try this um so yeah it's kind of I've been very lucky I guess I'm very fortunate to have you know, um, you know, people that follow what I do and, and, and take an interest. So, you know, all of a sudden when I just mentioned that I've been doing it, there's been a lot of natural excitement that's kind of built up. So, you know, I haven't had to be too, uh, had too much kind of thought process on, oh, please, please buy my book and go and have a look at it. It's just kind of come quite naturally, but I was a bit of a, bit of a control freak. And the whole book is I've done everything from the design of the cover to, you know, there was a lady who kindly proofread the book for me, but I, I've kind of done everything with it. Um, so it's uh, the whole look and feel has been down to my designs and everything as well. So, um, yeah, it's kind of been my little baby project, which I've really, really enjoyed. Actually, the whole process has been incredibly creative, even down to designing the front cover and, you know, deciding what paper we were going to use and what the front cover was it going to be a matte finish or a gloss finish and all those little touches. So, you know, I'm incredibly proud of it. And I think when you when you're when you put something together like that, that you're incredibly proud of, you know, it naturally speaks for itself. So I've been quite lucky so far that um yeah, the support's been amazing. We've nearly done 400 books in the first week. And a lot of that's just come from the fact of, you know, my pride and guessing of completing it and the support of everyone that's kindly got behind it. So, yeah, I guess what was something that you didn't realize was going to be part of the process that you wound up having to, to, to take on and whether it was, you know, down to choosing the paper and where the page number goes on the thing, where it goes in the middle or at the top corner or whatever it is, like how, what, what was something that you learned that you weren't kind of expected or didn't know about, about the book writing process? Um, I think that the, the weirdest process, I guess, was when you first hand it to someone else to, to look at it. Um, because, you know, you, you've kind of created it from nothing. Um, you've done all the design work. You've kind of decided how it's going to look and feel. And then that very first time that you hand it over to the proofreader, because you know it's going to be riddled with errors, because when you've looked at something <laughs> for so long, you know that you know there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be like really obvious ones as well. But because you've just read it and written it so much, you know, and you've overworked it and you've gone back over stuff, you're going to miss stuff like it happens. The first copy of um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone in the UK this week, um, one of the early editions sold for like 70,000 and philosopher was spelt wrong on the front page, you know. So there's those little bits of things. Those things happen. So. You know, I've kind of hopefully there's no errors in there. I think that someone may point out that it might be uh, a space where there shouldn't be a space or something. But I may have undersold myself if it, if it went off big time like J.K. Rowling. I've not got enough errors in it. I should have put a few more in. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that trusting it to someone else is, um, you know, it's you're opening yourself up for that first little bit of I say criticism. But that, you know, that critique. Um, which, you know, I'm very good at. I'm, I'm, I love having people offer me a constructive critique because it's the only way you get better. 
and it's the only way you develop and I love collaboration and someone said this is good but it could be better or this bit's not that good take it out reword it so it was a little bit of a weird moment when you hand it to the proofreader but um Siobhan was fantastic and she's done a great job and and helped me get it over the line and um and I guess it's another weird moment when you actually go on sale and you release it because you're all of a sudden you're opening up to the public eye and you know whether whether you like it or not someone isn't going to like your book and they're going to voice it on social media and you kind of go yeah okay look okay it's not for everyone but right. you know as long as the majority of people get behind it that that's the main thing and you know I've always said you know when we spoke before on the show when you kindly had me on before you know I mentioned about the 76 winners medal that I kindly um I've got Dave Peaches and I always share it with as many people as possible because if that could inspire one person the way it's inspired me it, it's worth it um and it's the same with the book if this book just inspires one person out there to to not give up on their dream or to, or to try something different um it'll be worth every single moment of writing it so yeah yeah absolutely and i i can i can totally relate to uh you know the errors and, and things like that because uh i started the newsletter uh i guess a couple of months ago and i will always send myself a test copy because I can, I can write it and read it and, and read through it and I'll, I'll miss stuff. And so I always send myself a test copy and then I usually, I go and do something else and I come back and read it. And then I, I sit with the test copy and, and kind of the, you know, the errors that I made and I go back and fix it. And yeah. I made the mistake a couple of times of going, like getting up to, upstairs and getting ready to go to bed and, and opening up my phone and, my, and still having the test copy on and reading it and then going like, there's an error and now I got to get out of bed, go downstairs, yeah. fire up the computer again, you know, fix it. And I'm just like, what am I like? So now I'm just like, no, like that's, it's, it's, it's good enough. If there's an error in there, you know, I've read it 75 yeah. times. Like nobody's reading it that much. Um, yeah. MailChimp says so. So I, I have proof. So I'm not just saying that. <laughs> um, so it, it'll, it'll be okay. But it, it is, it yeah. is a nerve wracking kind of thing. And, and every week before I hit publish with the, with the podcast, it's always, you know, what, what in here, where is the mistake that somebody's going to yeah. just blow up about? But it, you know, like you said, most people get behind it. Most people are happy with it. And that's, that's really what, what kind of matters. Um, yeah, absolutely. if, if there was something that you learned from the book that y you could pass on, if there's one thing you could tell anybody who was thinking about writing a book, like what, what lesson is there from the, from the writer's perspective, or maybe from the publisher perspective, whatever it is that that was the biggest difference for you or, or that you would want to pass on? Um, I would say to anyone to just do it and just, you know, and, you know, the very, very first version of Desire Dream Vision was about 35 pages long. Um, and I look back on it now and I think that was awful. Um, <laughs> but that's part of the process, right? You know, it's I, I talk about in the book when you learn to walk, right? You you fall right. over and you just get up again and you just keep going. You don't try and give up as a, as a child. You know, you just go, I'll go again. I'll fall over and I'll. I'll bang my head, but I'll get up again. And I think that's the thing when you, when, with writing a book is, you know, just, just do it. And at the end of the day, you know, you never know what you're going to create until you start. It's a real amazing process. And, you know, even if the book never sees the light of day and you never publish it or you never share it with anyone, it's actually quite um, a cathartic process to kind of look through what you've achieved. You know, for me, when I was putting my little anecdotes in and what did I want to share? What did I want to tell everyone? And it was an amazing process just to look back and, and reflect on what I've been through and what I've achieved to get there. So actually anyone even thinking about it, you know, I'd, I'd love to, you know, encourage more people to just tell their story, even if it's like 20 pages long, 50 pages long or a bridged version of their life story. You know, that'll be something that your your kids, your grandkids or relations will look back on in time. And, you know, I think it's important to record that. You know, when I was writing, I wish my my great grandfather, who I talk about in the book, I wish that he had you know, written something down so I could get to know him a bit. You know, I, he died in 1974, so I, I never met him. Um, but, you know, I'd love to have, 
you know, heard of, like from his perspective about things. So I'd encourage everyone, give it a go. You know, you, you never know. You could be the next JK Rowling. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even, I guess I'm, I just, as you are talking, I'm thinking about me. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a good chance that, you know, people are out there thinking about doing something and it's not necessarily writing a book, but it's doing anything. And unless you, unless yeah. you take the leap, unless you really go for it, then you'll never know. And sometimes there's, you know, there's things you should learn beforehand. There's preparation you can do, but sometimes people get uh, stagnant because they're like, well, I'm not prepared enough. I got to do this first and then do it. And sometimes it's just like, no, you just have to, like you said, you have to set the date and you got to get it done by that date or you just have to go because you'll learn yeah. things uh, along the way. And um, yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Um, there's a guy called Steve Harvey in the States and he, uh, who obviously hosts uh, family feud and he's amazing. He says this whole thing about jumping, like you've got to jump. If you don't jump, you're going to be stood there and you're never going to fly and you're never going to soar. Um, and it, and he's got a whole book about it and he's a, a great motivational speaker. He does lots of work, um, with young guys to try and put them on the right arrow and the right path to help them out. And, um, he says, literally you've got to jump because if you don't, you're never going to know and your parachute's never going to open. And, you know, it's going to take a while to open and you're going to get some cuts and bruises and, you know, but one day you're going to soar. But if you never jump or you never give it a go, you're never going to fly. So he's, um, yeah, Steve Harvey's brilliant. He's well worth looking up and finding a bit more about, but yeah, he says, you've got, you just got to give it a go because you never know otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, so now that the book's out, you're doing the, the promotion for it and stuff, but what's next for desire dream vision and, in, in for you in, in the desire dream vision kind of arena. So we're just going to just share it with the world basically. So we're going to, uh, we're going to be going on sale in the States very soon. Um, we're going to go on sale in India and across the far East. So it's just about spreading the message really now, you know, I've kind of, um, you know, we've got a target of how many books we'd like to sell. We've got a sponsor, a book program, which loads of businesses have got behind. So, you know, I've set myself the target of a thousand books to be sponsored this year that we can donate free of charge to schools, colleges and to young people following a dream. So, you know, the sponsor a book is a, a big thing that we're working on now, which is exciting. And, you know, we've had some tremendous support so far. I think we've, we've done about 350 sponsored books already. So, you know, we're well towards the target and we're only a week in. So, um, yeah, there's lots of exciting things. You know, I'm working on a few other little different philosophies to develop it and, and take it to the next level. And, you know, we've got a few ideas in the pipeline. But, yeah, it's just about sharing the word now and, and getting the book out there and sharing the message and, and inspiring people. Yeah, well, I think it's so awesome that you're you're doing that. I think it's because I remember talking to you, you know, a year ago about just the idea of, of the book and you were working on the book. And it's nice to kind of see it all kind of come to fruition because I think sometimes, you know, you know, somebody's working on something or, and you don't really, you don't really see it. But like, I think just having that conversation that I had with you, what was recorded and what wasn't before, um, I've been able to kind of see the, the, the progression of the book. And you, when I see some of the stuff that you're speaking about, it's like, well, I know, I think that's going in the book and, you know, you can kind of see it building. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's great. I think it's, I think it's awesome that it's finally out and, uh, congratulations, man. It's a big, it's a big accomplishment. Thank yeah. Thank you. Um, Speaking of accomplishments, I guess, uh, we beat Brighton away finally. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Great result. You know, it's, um, you know, especially after that Tottenham game as well, it was a, a bit of a weird time because we went straight in international break and it was like two weeks off and you kind of, I guess, you know, Ralph and the guys would have wanted to carry on and keep that momentum going. But, um, yeah, no, great result. Good to get three points. That's the big thing. I was just, the only thing I was disappointed about is I looked at the league table and we didn't move up. Like the gap got bigger, but I thought, yes, three points. And then everyone else won around us. But obviously there's a gap between us and Cardiff and, and that, that bottom three now. So that's nice. Yeah, I have the, 
uh, Google updated their like live table stuff. So now they have the score next to a match that's going on. And uh, they have the last five games. They have a little bit of a form table going on. And yeah. I'm just waiting for Chelsea to score. I'm like, I need Chelsea to score here. Like, I, need, <laughs> yeah, right. I need this to happen. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, if we can, if we can just continue to, to put distance between us and Cardiff, I think that's, that's enough. And I, I'll be honest, I, I think I told you already and I've complained about it to, I think several people. So I, I, I wasn't able to watch the match yesterday and that's not normal for me. I'm, I'm usually yeah. pretty, pretty able to, to watch almost every match. And, um, we, we went through our time change, uh, through springtime or just what a daylight savings time, like three or four weeks ago. So matches were kicking off at 8am and then, uh, 8am for me is, it's a little bit late. Like the family's starting to get up during the second half there. And then I get, I get distracted. So it's, uh, it's not my favorite. So we skipped a lot of those games, which was nice for me, but also, um, yesterday games kicking off and I wasn't able to, to, to watch it cause we had to go, uh, drive into one of the, a place that I wish nobody else to, to go ever. Um, and, and you, th- there's a city called California city, which sounds beautiful. Uh, and California is a beautiful place for the most part, but we also have like a lot of desert and a lot of other things. And California city is, is a giant city in terms of land area. Um, it's not a giant city in terms of population. There's only 14,000 people who live there. Um, and it's kind of funny cause you get off the freeway and you're driving and there are all these s- street posts, these signposts, um, for like, you know, 96th street and 87th street and all this stuff. None of them are paved. Uh, there's no houses <laughs> there. There yeah. is just streets and you drive for about 30 minutes once you get off the freeway before you actually hit any like civilization, but you're inside the city the entire time. It's, it's, it's really eerie. It's like Stephen King type setting. Uh, and, and I don't wish that on anybody, but we were there instead of me watching the game yesterday. So I've only watched the highlights. And I, yeah. when I, when I finally got reception yesterday and I saw that we won, I was like, you know, this is, this is great, but I don't even know. I don't know how it happened. I don't know who scored. I don't know any of this. I'm like texting people, like trying to figure it out. And, uh, anyway, I, I finally been able to watch the highlights this morning and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, it looked yeah. like Brighton might've got something there at the end, but we can kind of just start at, at the beginning with the, with, with the lineup. Yeah, no, massively. You know, I think the formation change was a little bit, a little bit different as well, playing like four at the back and then just a, a row of twos in front with, with Redmond up front with, um, with Danny Ings. But, um, yeah, look, we we did something a little bit different. We we closed the ball down very well. We kind of uh, attacked in little triangles and and made it very difficult for Brighton to settle. So, you know, Ralph's obviously working right all with the lads on the pitch and on the training pitch, and you know maybe those little breaks we've had have actually been vital for us. It's almost been our our pre-season with Ralph with when he came into the side. You know, you know, see new managers come in, it can be quite difficult, especially over like Christmas periods, to kind of really get decide playing how you want whereas I think actually those breaks may have done us a real big favor because Ralph and his team can really get the message across of of how he wants to play you know we got so used to playing a wide football especially under Koeman and Pochettino where we'd get the ball down the wing to Tadic or Mane and whip a ball into the middle and you know we haven't got that target man in the middle anymore we haven't got that Graziano Pella or Ricky Lambert so you know it's a different philosophy of way of playing down the middle but I think the lads have really taken hold of it and certain players have stepped up you know I've always been a fan of Hoiberg and I love the fact he's got the captain's armband now I love his passion I was in the tunnel of the Arsenal game and that, that big win at home on that Sunday and um, I interviewed um, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg at full time and you know we, we kind of shook hands and you could just see how much it meant to him mm-hmm. to get those points against Arsenal and I love that in a leader and in a captain and you know seeing Prousey step up over the last few weeks deserving his call up to the England side and you know he's got an air of confidence so I'm I'm excited, you know, and that's starting to come across on the pitch. You know, we're not going to win every game. We're in, we're in transition. You know, Ralph 
needs to invest in his players over the summer and see who he wants to bring in. You know, do we need another striker? Do we need someone else at the back? But saying that Maya had a good game yesterday and stepped up. So, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. You know, what have we got? Seven games left. I said if we could get 10 points in our last seven, that would be a winner. So we now need, what, seven from seven. Um, you can see us getting points against Huddersfield. We've got Bournemouth on the 27th. I'd hope we could get Sank out of them at home. Mm-hmm. And then we've got away at Newcastle. So I think... Um, you know, I think we'll get to the 40 points and I think we'll be all right this year. Yeah, I think uh, when he set the 40 point mark out, people were like, well, you know, I don't think it's actually going to take 40. And it's like, look, I'm not looking like I, I would love just to stay in the Premier League this year. That would be that would be fine. But like you don't set the bar there. You got to set the bar a little bit higher. And that way, if you underachieve a little bit, then then at least you're, you're, you're still you leave yourself a little bit of room. Um, but you you mentioned the uh, the, the lineup and. I think Vestergaard had a had a groin injury, according to something from Adam Blackmore, and yep. you know, so th- maybe that forces Hassan uh, Hudel's hand to to, to play uh, a four two two two, which I think is his preferred formation anyway. Um, yeah, but we we hadn't seen it yet, and we have been playing, uh, you know, kind of kind of wide, even even with the team that we've had, and it was, um, you know, I think that's I think that's probably a good position for Ward Prowse and and we always, we've been kind of talking for for months and years probably about where he plays and where he fits in and you know he's not really a holding midfielder um Romeo and Hoiberg can do that and Romeo can or sorry Hoiberg can can push forward a little bit he he scored even from that deep deep line position yesterday um but the the back four did fine uh, I thought Armstrong and Ward Prowse did did okay from everything I saw and it just looked like we really took it to them for, for large portions of the game and we were pressing them and forcing mistakes. And I think that's when we play our best. We're doing another clean sheet as well, you know, Angus Gunn. And there's been that question of who's going to be number one, you know, especially when Angus came in over the summer, you know, was he going to, you know, oust McCarthy from his, from his position as number one. And, you know, I've, I think Angus is a real positive future for the club. You know, we've got some young players in that side that I think, you know, if you can get them in and, and get them playing with confidence, you see at West Ham with Declan Rice coming in, you've got Phil Foden at Man City who's starting to play a bit more of a part. You know, I think these guys have got huge potential and, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but it's great to see those players stepping up. And so I'm just really, really pleased for, for James Ward-Prowse. You know, he showed that such promise all those couple of seasons ago. And then, you know, Claude Puel didn't really utilise him and, Pellegrino didn't do it either and you really kind of felt for him didn't really fit in under Mark Hughes and and now it's just he's really shown what he can do again and those goals those free kicks you know were were so important to helping us and it's good to see him getting on the score sheet and, and giving a positive impact but you know as you said a clean sheet as well yesterday again is a massive bonus that's three in six I think now for Angus so yeah exciting I think I think we're gonna we'll, we'll be all right towards the end of the season and I'm excited to see what happens over the summer and you know, someone made the quip to me a couple of weeks ago. Oh, do you think you'll keep hold of the manager over the summer because he's had such a good start? And I was like, yeah, we're right. No one else needs one. Everton will keep hold of Silva. He'll be all right. Liverpool got Klopp. They won't want him. You know, Tottenham have got Poch still. We'll be fine. We'll be all right. God, I hope so. <laughs> uh, we, we will be, you know. And I think, look, at the end of the day, you know, we, we saw what happened to, to Ronald, right? And I think that may be a lesson to to future managers at the kind of level of club we are you know at the end of the day yes okay you might think the grass is greener but actually you know sometimes you're better off where you are especially you know with Southampton we're a great proposition we've got mm-hmm. a great academy we've got you know the world's our oyster if we really want it to be so if we can actually get a bit of loyalty and and I think there's been lots of examples recently of people making a move whether it be players or managers and and things not working out as they kind of want them to so look Sometimes you're better off sticking where you are and, and, and looking after your grouse on your side of the fence. Absolutely. And I think 
if you really look at, at what Southampton can offer, uh, like you said, it's, it's a pretty attractive proposition. The training facilities are top notch. The I would say the catchment area for young talent is is pretty mm. big, uh, given given who else is down there and, and where the club is located. And I mean, honestly, one of the things that I looked at was I looked at, you know, just sun and weather and things like that when I was looking for at, at teams that, that plays a part as somebody from California. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Southampton's got a lot of sunny days compared to a lot of other places in England. So it's uh, it, it doesn't it, feel like it at the minute. Jeez, no, no, I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's it's. Uh, I, th- I think it's, I think it's great. And I think, you know, I, we can't, we can only judge Ralph on what he, what he says, but he doesn't come off as the kind of guy who's looking to move on right away. Even though he said in his initial interview, you know, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, I you know, come in, do a good job and and hopefully, you know, go to a bigger club. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to, to manage at the absolute yeah. highest level you can. Um, and he doesn't seem like he's just going to up and leave at, at the first, you know, kind of right. the first time somebody says, Hey, how about this? You know, and it's yeah. just almost a lateral move or a slight step up. I think he wants to make a jump. Um, yeah. and so we'll, we'll see if he, if he does that, but, um, and I'm quite happy like to have players like that. It's like, I know some people were, you know, are a bit upset about Virgil van Dijk going to Liverpool, but do you know what? It's one of those things that I always go, do you know what Virgil kind of, you know, for me, he didn't ever not give a hundred percent when he was on that pitch, you know, and, Let's be honest, if you've got the chance to go and win a Champions League medal or win a Premiership title, you know, if it was you personally, like in that position or like your family member or friend, you know, you wouldn't begrudge them that, you know, and as long as that player is giving you 110 percent while they're with you um, and they do things in the right manner, I'm, I'm really cool with that. And, you know, I'm sure they've, you know, there was other bits around Virgil's move and bits and pieces that obviously clouded that a little bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I like to appreciate what we've got, appreciate that moment. Let's make the most of it. You know, nothing lasts forever. Um, you know, and if we can have a manager that's going to get us back to winning ways and that'll attract the next manager that's going to keep moving things forward, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool with that. Yeah. And I mean, now he's out there captaining his, his national team and, and everything else. So he's, I mean, he's definitely, yeah. I mean, he's, he's very, very good. I enjoy watching him very, very much. Um, yeah. and I think he's it's part just, of our history. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, to, to, to have the world's best defender as he's been, being tapped, uh, uh, talked about at the moment, you know, he, he's part of our history and, and we were part of that process for him. And, you know, we, we don't see players like Matt Letiz anymore. You know, it's very rare to see a player that has got that loyalty and will play just for one club, you know, and, and when they do come along, you know, you cherish them. And, you know, obviously when Ricky Lambert come in, you know, he gave his heart and soul to the club and has become a legend as well, you know. Um, but yeah, you just got to appreciate the players while they're there, you know, and, and make the most of them being there. And, you know, we're, we're very lucky if we look back at some of the players we've had over the years, right? Go back, Kevin Keegan's, the Shannons. You know, we've had some amazing players, and you know they're they're all part of our history. So, you know, I'd rather have them as part of our history for ten minutes than not at all. Yeah. Um, just I guess going back to to the Brighton game for for a minute. Um, I mean, were there any uh, watch, watching through the highlights? It seems like we created, I wouldn't say a ton of chances, but we created uh, enough chances, uh, and it seemed like Brighton were really kind of under pressure for large portions of the game. They were, they were having to slide in and block shots and do all that stuff. Um, and then I know it went into halftime nil, nil. And then we, we Hoiberg scored in the second half, but I mean, were there any, any, anything that stood out to you in terms of, of a, a particular passage of play or maybe a particular player who had a especially good game? Uh, I, I know we've, we spoke about Hoiberg already, but I just think his, his mentality in the whole game of, you know, the way he won that ball back, gave it to Armstrong, he passed it to Redmond to then put him back in for that goal. You know, he was awesome. You know, he 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 works tirelessly to 
to get possession and keep hold of the ball. And so he obviously stood out for me yesterday um, and obviously getting that goal as well. But what I love is his just celebration. He it, That meant so much to him, that goal yesterday. And and I think that's amazing to have that kind of player within your starting lineup and on the pitch in a game, especially against the Brighton, because there is going to be a tough game. You know, we've got to give credit to them. You know, they've come into the Premier League and, you know, it's a bit like Bournemouth. They're a team that kind of had struggles over the years. They've come into the Premier League and they've really established themselves. And, you know, I've, I've been to a few Brighton games this year and, and Chris Hewton's a great guy and he's got them playing some good football. They've had a bit of, you know, poor form on the road this year. They've struggled a little bit and their home form hasn't been amazing. But nevertheless, they're still a tough team to beat. The games they've lost recently, they've they've still played well and it's not necessarily been fault of their own that they've lost. So actually going to Brighton yesterday and you needed that bit of grit and that bit of passion on the pitch. And, you know, we're seeing that from James Ward-Prowse now. Hoiberg brings that. Romeo who does his job and he's resilient and he's strong. Um, Meyer is always incredibly passionate. And I think, that's what wins you those games. It's that character and, and passion and determination. And, and again, I think we showed that right across the pitch yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any, I know it's just part of every premier league game. I think with, especially if the home team is losing, um, they tend to pour it on and pour forward the last kind of 20 minutes or 10 minutes. It, it doesn't matter what team it, it is. It seems like, it seems like very, very rarely ever just to hold somebody off and pin them back. Um, mm-hmm. I know we made some substitutions, I know Gallagher was on the pitch. Sims was on the pitch. Stevens was on the pitch. Uh, there was one point when Stevens kind of let somebody run off the back of him and the guy was offside, but I was a little bit worried and it was just like, you know, the, cause honestly, like the game had been over this is in, and and I, when I was watching the highlights this morning before we, we were, we were talking and even though I know the result, I'm just thinking Stevens, please don't make a mistake. Like, you know, this is, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I didn't see any of the hate on Twitter yesterday. I wasn't really on Twitter very much, but I didn't see anything. And so I was really just hoping like, don't, don't mess us up, dude, because <laughs> if you're, if yeah. you're at fault for a goal here, we're going to be in trouble. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, he, he let somebody run off the back of him again. And I was like, ah, you know, it freaked me out a little bit, but we, we did enough to, to hold him off and, 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 and get the win. And I think everybody, you know, Ralph seemed pretty happy with you. I think he would have wanted to, us to create a few more chances, but, uh, he's overall really, really happy with the win. And, and I think all of us have to be given that Brighton were just above us in the table and now they're only above yeah. us on goal difference. Uh, you know, we've put uh, some distance between us and Cardiff um, who oh, at the, at this point are now winning one, nothing. I don't yeah. know if you see this. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've got my eye on the Portsmouth Sunderland game. It's good to see Portsmouth a one nil down. So uh, All right. I haven't been keeping an eye on the, uh, the Premier League game, but um, yeah, and it's, you know, Cardiff is an interesting one, isn't it? You know, they're, 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 they're not giving up. Yeah. Are they? They're not, um, you know, they, they, they want to kind of stay up in the league. So it'll be, um, you know, and they, and they will keep fighting right to the very end card. If, you know, out of the three teams, obviously Huddersfield are down now and, you know, you can't see Fulham getting out of it. At, but you kind of think, do you know what? You know, if they kind of are going to give it a good go, they've got nothing to lose, right? They, they get them getting into the Premier League was a massive achievement last year and everyone's written them off. So the fact they're still fighting and still asking questions, I think is, uh, you know, fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, I saw the score change as I was talking and it just went like, no, <laughs> don't do that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was nice for us to put more distance between us and, and them and, and hopefully, yeah. you know, you start to, to move up the table a little bit, but I think everybody has to be happy with, with the performance because we've been better against teams who have come out and attacked us, um, versus teams who kind of sit back and, and are, are really, really organized and don't open themselves up a little bit. But I think the, the formation change yesterday, whether it was, um, forced, whether it was um, by design, and and we would have done it even if Vestergaard was healthy. Uh, who knows? Yeah. But I think it, I think it played into our hands, and I think it, that puts 
some of our players in their best positions or positions they can yeah. they can kind of do their best work. And I think you saw that from Redmond, who you know, give it a little bit more freedom, but also asked to to come back and help on defense a little bit and 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 do that. And Ings, who likes to drop deep, which allows uh, Redmond to kind of run off his shoulder and in behind. And I think that's I think all of those are good things. And I think I think having Armstrong on the pitch is, is great too. And um, they were saying on the on the commentary, you know, if anyone came out of of, of Scotland's international break with any kind of credit, it might be him. And so, yeah. um, you know, after you lose to to Kazakhstan three nothing, I think if anybody comes out with any credit, then we got to give them okay. But I, it's hard it's hard to justify sometimes. But uh, overall, I mean, I'm looking at the squad there, and I'm pretty happy with it. But maybe over the summer, I'm sure people will come in and go and go out, and we'll have to kind of clean out yeah. all that stuff. But that's that's another conversation for for another day, I think. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else on the game that you would like to to kind of point out? Uh, I think that's it on the game yesterday, really. You know, it was, it was a solid three points, and I think we kind of covered all the bases on on the game, really, and kind of players. Yeah. Um, I did see some stuff from the uh, from uh, it was just a video of some of the fans that were that were cheering, and they they I mean the away support yeah, for Southampton. Is, yeah, yeah. It, that's I mean that's fantastic. That's that that is something that I think. For as much as St. Mary's gets gets uh, a, a bad rap sometimes in terms of not having the best atmosphere, um, the away fans always do it, and it you know it it really looked like they did it yesterday, and they had every reason to be to be excited about yesterday as well. Yeah, they did, and that was a great video that the club put up on their Twitter of of Ralph at the end, you know, thanking the fans, and all the fans were like trying to get him to do his little uh, his cheery celebration, and uh, he had a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke with them as well. So, but there's a great rapport there, isn't there? And um, you know, the support on the road is always amazing, and you know, I think you find that with every club, though. You know, if, if you go to Old Trafford, the atmosphere is not amazing at Old Trafford. But then you go to a United away game, and the United fans are, are making so much noise. You know, and I think that's just the way. You know, that you tend to get the hardcore of the fan that that does actually travel away. And I think you know you do get that extra noise, and especially winning the game. You know, especially where we are at the minute in the league, that means that extra bit more as well. So, um, yeah, no, it was good to see that, and it's always good to see the players appreciating it, and the manager appreciating that at full time, and. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to be to win a game, right? It makes you happy, and it's good for the city, and it's and it's good for the club when you get those points. And it's nice that the manager is um, embracing that as well at full time and, and smiling and and really feeling part of it. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of what he brings coming from Germany, where they do really have they value that uh, mm. that relationship with the fans. I think uh, yep. very much so. So it's it's nice that he's bringing that over, and he's not letting. Sometimes managers come over and they just kind of conform to to what the English standard is, which is I think kind of just you know walk halfway out the pitch, clap kind of, yeah. and then and then be gone. But he he's he's been he's been himself, which is nice. Um, yeah. I did I do have a question uh, or actually a comment from one of the guys in the uh, Patreon group. I won't I won't call him out, uh, but he you know I said just having seen the fan video and stuff like that, it looked like a good time. And he said actually it was a uh, it was a pretty crap match overall. Is it looked like we hadn't played for three weeks? Um, but he also said he looks. He hopes Brighton stays up. It was a. It's a lovely stadium. It's a nice place to go. Uh, the fans are good. Um, and and you know. So I think with that kind of assessment, I think maybe we have more to look forward to. And and on that note, I have a question from uh, another uh, patron who and patrons of the show always get priority for having their questions answered. Uh, they have more ways to contact me, including the the, the private chat that we have on Discord. It's only for Patreon members and. Uh, they did get a Brighton preview podcast as well uh, leading up to the match. So um, anyway, Kevin McKee says, uh, with Ralph doing so well, can we really have high hopes for next season? And um, we spoke a little bit about you know him staying around, but I mean, what 
with him doing this, I think what 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 what's what's reasonable for next season if if, if just staying up this season is is I guess the expectation or the the goal at this point. Like what what does next season for you kind of hold for the team? Sure, it's such a tough question because if you look at the Premier League and how it's changing and how it's evolving, you look at a team like Wolves that are coming in and they're gonna you know they're gonna finish pretty high up the table. When you look at the teams at the top of the Championship next year, they're going to be coming into the Premier League. It's um anywhere from like sixth down becomes another league. You know, it's um the quality of side is evolving and and it's changing. You know, for Southampton though, I I think that. You know, you can never expect to finish somewhere. No one has a divine right to finish anywhere. But for me as a fan, you know, I think Southampton, we should be competing for that kind of that second tier league in that top six. So anywhere from kind of seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh. That's where I kind of feel that Southampton should be competing, you know, with our, with our history and our heritage. And obviously no one deserves or has a divine right to finish there. But, you know, I feel we should be competing there and, and I think that's something we will see under Ralph. Look, we've seen that that passion, that and the way we play is 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 better now than where it has been recently. So, look, if, for me, if we can have a, a season where the side is performing and they're putting on that shirt every week and giving it 110 um, percent, win, lose or draw, you know, I think that's what I'd like to see. And that's something we've not seen for a while is that that determination and grit on the pitch. You know, we've we've walked away from St Mary's too many times over the last three years and been like, oh, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good, but. You know, a bit like I said earlier on about Brighton, you know, they've, they've lost a few games recently, but the manner in which they've played, you know, you kind of felt felt unlucky for them and, and they will get the results. And, you know, I agree with those sentiments that, you know, I'd love Brighton to stay in the league and I think they will. Um, but, you know, if you could if you can leave the ground and you can say, do you know what, my side gave it their all today. You know, I think that's that's what I'd love to see from Southampton because that's what we used to have, you know, under under Koeman and under Potts. You know, we knew we weren't going to win every game, but we'd give it a really good go. You know, and occasionally we'd get that result against Liverpool, we'd get that result against United at Old Trafford. And, you know, I just think we've, we've missed that in the last three, three years. We've not we've not gone to those places with a belief. And, and I think that is going to be back with Ralph. So, you know, my big expectation next year is to have that belief back, which is already on the way. Um, and then hopefully that will power us up to kind of competing to get inside that top 10. All right. Uh, I got another question here from the guys over at the In That Number podcast uh, on Instagram. And... For anybody who hasn't listened to that show, they were on the show a, a few weeks back and, and I will be with them next week. Uh, it's a good show if anybody's interested in that. So uh, you can check that out. But they say, with Ing- with Angus Gunn picking up another clean sheet, what does this mean for McCarthy? Are you okay with rotating? Or what do you see the goalkeeping situation being like now uh, that, that uh, I guess, Gunn is playing so well? Yeah, do you know, as a, I was a goalkeeper myself growing up. So, you know, I'm always a big fan of the goalkeepers union. Um I'm a big fan of Angus Gunn um, and a few people I've spoken to um, that have heard rumors from in, within the camp is that, you know, he is 110% in training. He's got the right ethic and obviously comes from a good pedigree of a goalkeeper as well. Um, I don't like the idea of rotating too much because for me, I, I like to have that consistency. You know, I remember when we went back and if we go back to when Gordon Strachan was manager, you know, we had Svensson and Lundekvam at the back were solid every single game. And Antti Niemi came in and was solid, you know, and obviously you had Paul Jones who was on the bench then. He was just as good as a goalkeeper as well. Um, but I think if you just have that consistency at the back, I think it's so important, um, just that understanding. Um, so for me, I think McCarthy, you know, did a great job, obviously, you know, Phil for Fraser Forster and, you know, he had a difficult time coming back from that injury and things didn't go quite well for him at the start of that the previous season and, and McCarthy obviously took that opportunity but but for me there's just something about Gunn that I really like um, just about the way he performs when he came in for that Chelsea game I thought he did a great job 
Um, so, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of rotating. Um, but I guess at the time, you know, obviously where we are at this point in the season, you know, and, and things going, I've got full faith in both keepers. So if, if it's something that Ralph feels need, needs that he needs to rotate just to kind of get an understanding of who is going to be his number one, I wouldn't be too worried at the moment just because I think they can both come in and, and do a great job as number one. But if I had to pick one, I, I would definitely stick with Angus Gunn. All right. And one more to kind of round off the show here. Uh, this comes from A.O. Dave Lee, who is once again a patron who and they get priority for having their questions answered. He says, looking forward to next week. What's the key to keeping the match close against Liverpool? And do you have a favorite moment as an, FS, an SFC supporter? So two questions there for you. So we'll start with Liverpool and then we'll end with uh, maybe your favorite moment. So uh, I mean, obviously uh, Friday night football, right? This is, this is yeah. something that we have to look forward to. Um, I'm still contemplating calling in sick on Friday to see if I can <laughs> watch it because it'll be a noon kickoff. But um, yeah. you know, for you, uh, what, do, what do you think we have to do next week to make sure that we, we keep it close? And, or do we just go and, 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 and have a go a little bit and see how it, how it works out? You know, I just think we have a go. You know, at the end of the day, the pressure's on Liverpool right now. You know, and if you look at our, our remaining fixtures, you know, we've got Liverpool, then we played Wolves, Newcastle, Watford, Bournemouth, West Ham and Huddersfield. And, and, and our must-win games a Huddersfield, you know, sank out of West Ham, something out of Bournemouth, something out of Watford, sank out of Newcastle. So, you know, we've only got to play one of the top four, top six between now and the end of the season. So that game's almost like a free hit on Friday. We can just go for it. We can play our football. Let's do what we can do. We know we can give a real go against these bigger sides. You know, we did it against Tottenham. Um, there's pressure on Liverpool. It'll be interesting to see how they get on against Tottenham um, over this weekend as well. Um, but yeah, I think we can go. I, 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 if someone said write down the scores between now and the end of the season, I would go for a draw against Liverpool on Friday night. I just think there's a lot of pressure on them. Um, you know, Man City know how to win and they know how to win the league. So there's a lot of pressure on Liverpool and it'll be interesting to see how, how they deal with that and how Jurgen Klopp deals with that. Um, so, yeah, I can see us getting something out of that. You know, we've, we've won two on the bounce. You know, we've had some you know massive result at home against Tottenham and the fans were right behind that. And those fans that obviously were there, that was the last game they saw that obviously didn't travel to Brighton. So they're they're going to be behind it. So I think I think we could ask questions of Liverpool. So we will see. And, you know, we've done it before, so I can't see why we can't do it again, especially. Yeah. Although Mane's on the other side now rather than our side the last time we did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That was a. Uh... I remember that morning very clearly. Um, what a game that was. It was yeah. a great game. I, uh, and sat, go on, sorry. I was going to say, I was, I was in a hotel room and I was going to leave at halftime because we were down, you know, and then yeah. I decided to, to stick around and I was packing up the stuff. And then at some point I was just yelling and throwing pillows against the wall and, you know, super <laughs> excited and neighbors are going, what's going on in there? I'm like, Hey, nothing, just, you know, we're winning a football <laughs> match here and nothing, nothing, nothing yeah. to see. So, uh, yeah. yeah and, yeah. and they have a lot of, I mean, they have a lot of stuff coming up. They have they have Champions League matches to play. They have all kinds of other yeah, things they going do. on. They, they 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 if they slip up today against Tottenham, that could be it could be bad for them. So, uh, yeah. it would be really really nice if we could be part of the reason that they don't win the league. You know, and I think a lot of Saints <laughs> fans will be will be uh, hoping for that. Although um, some people will point out that well, that means you know Man City and all of that, all of whatever that stands for wins the league. So uh, you got to kind of yeah. pick your battles here. But um, yeah. it's, and I guess uh, it would be nice to see our reserve team do a little bit all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but just not next Friday. Um, and also, you asked about uh, my favourite Southampton moment. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, there's loads. I, I was at the game when we got promoted back to the Premier League when uh, when obviously all the fans went on the pitch and Ricky Lambert got carried off the pitch on on shoulders. That was a that was an amazing moment as a Saints fan. Um, I guess for me, I'm very lucky. Like I get a lot of pinch yourself moments. Obviously, presenting with the Premier League and sure. you know, I think 
one of my first games just presenting pitch side at St Mary's was a massive thing for me, you know, as a fan and, and being a presenter for the rest of the world to to share Southampton was was quite special and those interviews you do in the tunnel with the players are, they're always quite special I remember I did an interview with um Jose Font at full time with the last game of the season when he was with us and um you know I've I managed to build a good rapport with with the press officer Jordan at Southampton and mm-hmm. you know I'm I'm always kind of look especially if it's been a tough result you know who, who do you want to speak to and you know I, I said oh is is, is it was available for for an interview and, and Jose didn't really want to do it. And then he was with his son, Luca. And I said, yeah, Jose, any chance? And he went, can Luca come? And I went, yeah, of course he can. And that interview then made match of the day in the UK. And it, and it was a bit of fun. So that was a nice moment as well, because you've built a rapport with the players and I'm very privileged in that respect. So I, I know I never take that for granted. And I always appreciate that and pinch myself every time when I'm stood in the tunnel at St. Mary's and, you know, watching the players line up to walk out as a fan that's very, very special. But um, yeah, that moment when we got promoted back to the Premier League was very special, um, of course. And, uh, and and obviously being in the tunnel is, is is a very privileged position that I get to get to enjoy. So yeah, there's there's many moments that are that are special for me as a fan. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you reminded uh, you talking about that reminded me of um, Tom Tom Deacon, who is also a fan and also gets the opportunity to work and, and do some some stuff for the team. And he says sometimes he'll be in the tunnel. Um, you know, and on official match day duties, which he works for the club. So it's different than you who are working for the, for the premier league, but he'll, uh, he'll catch himself like cheering or something. And, and so like the security guard will turn around like, be like, you know, you're not allowed, you can't do that today. Like you can't, yeah. you gotta, and so yeah, I don't know. On your hands. Yeah. yeah I, don't I don't know, know if I can do that. In, I don't, I don't yeah, want to do I'm that. Sat in the stands, it's, um, yeah. It's some of the games, like, you know, you, I'm, I, when we sit in our reporter position, you know, to, to watch the game, you, you generally have to sit on your hands because it is kind of like, Oh no, can't, can't cheer. And especially, you know, that Arsenal game, I remember, you know, that was such a big, big three points, you know, and I kind of like goal with him and the lady who sits behind me, you know, I, I know her from away from when I'm working at, at the ground. So she knows I'm a Saints fan. So she kind of always like taps me on the shoulder and gives me a little thumbs up and, you know, you kind of have to give like a, a bit of a smile, but, um, you know, it, it is tough, you know, when you're trying to remain impartial, but you know, at the end of the day, you, 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 it's your club, isn't it? So you, you've got to kind of celebrate on the inside. Yeah. And maybe, maybe you can just go, Oh, that was a really nice move. Like, don't even have to say anything else. Just like really nice yeah. move guys. And then, and then move yeah. on. But who, who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, so, so last thing here is, uh, you know, you, the book is out. Desire Dream Vision is out. People can get it on the website and the links are in the show notes. Um, we're going to give away a copy of it. And so uh, I guess what you need is, is it'll be on all three social media platforms because you're on, you're on Twitter and Instagram and you're also on Facebook, I believe, or is Desire Dream Vision out there? Yeah, no, we're, we're on all three platforms. So yeah, come and find us. All right. So uh, we'll tag you in the post as long as people are are following and they like it and share it or whatever. Um, then we will uh, we'll enter your name to to get a copy, and then uh, we'll get it shipped out by the by the time uh, I guess uh, by full time next week uh, against Liverpool, we will have chosen the winner, and we'll we'll get in contact with that, and we'll announce it on the show. Uh, the, so, I'll make sure I announce it on the show next week, so uh, that's when it'll be announced, and then we'll 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 get it shipped out as as soon as possible because um, I don't know I'm I'm. I'm happy that I'm happy for you that you've been able to do it. I'm happy that, uh, you know, people are, are taking to it well. And, and I'm really happy that I got a chance to talk to you again. Amazing. really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thank you so much for having me. So really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. We will, uh, we'll talk to you next time. And, uh, for people who uh, want to follow you on social media, they can do that at Michael Kern and at desire dream vision. Um, and once again, we'll, uh, we'll, all that stuff will be in the show notes. And, uh, one thing I should say is like, when I get to talk to you on the, on fan zone, you know, there's, I always, 
as soon as they, they, they say, you know, oh, can you be on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, today works. It, I then check, see who's presenting. Because sometimes I don't know the guy. I don't know whoever it is, you know. Um, yeah. And then sometimes when it's you, I'm like, all right. And then it's always like the first time you go like, hey, how's it going? It's like, all right, I can't say that I kind of like you know, I know you, or like, I talk to you a lot. It's like, it's like, we just had yeah. to, there's almost like the, like, yeah, we've never, we've never done this before. Um, and, and I, as much as I want to talk more about saints, I know we have to kind of like, you know, there's a plan for the show. So we got to go along with it, but yeah. I, I always appreciate that. And I always, uh, yeah, I just, I just wanted to let you know. Anytime, anytime. It's good to have you on. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Thanks, man. That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to this week's guest, Michael Kern. Thank you so much for always being there uh, on the other side of the camera, on the other side of the Skype call when I call in to Premier League Fan Zone to let me know that it's going to be okay because we're Saints fans, stick together, and you cover for me when I mess up. So I appreciate that. If you want to follow Michael, if you haven't done so already, you can do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. He's at Michael Kern. You can also follow at Desire Dream Vision uh, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as well. And that is the title of the book that he's just finished. If you want a copy of that book, all you have to do is like the episode post and make sure you are following both Michael Kern and myself. If you would like an extra chance to win it, you can subscribe to the newsletter that comes out each and every week. Uh, I think if you would like an extra entry, it's because you like reading. And if you like reading and you like reading about saints, then this just seems like something you should do since we give you stuff to read about saints every week. See how that works? It's fun. I like it. I don't even know if anybody listens to this part. I guess we'll find out. Anyway, um, make sure you follow him. Make sure you follow this show at SFCDELL underscore I-V-E-R-Y on both Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFCDELIVERY. Special shout out to all of the partners of the show. I say all, but it's really just two. Matt Beeling does the artwork for the show. You can find him at We Are Southampton on Instagram uh, and the Southampton page for all your Southampton FC news and needs. They're closing in on 2,000 um, followers on Twitter. Make sure you get over there and help them out uh, because they're already way over that on Instagram where they're sitting just above 20,000. So if you're not in that number, you should be. Um, if you're enjoying the show, consider supporting the show on patreon.com. Uh, they get extra episodes. They get priority for having their questions answered. Uh, and uh, we chat all the time on our private uh, members only chat, which is kind of fun. Um, lastly, all music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive on freemusicarchive.org. Uh, the intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Poddington Bear. Uh, once again, thank you so much for supporting the show uh, for all that you guys have done over the past couple of years. Um, this has been wonderful. I look very much forward to being back next week when hopefully we're talking about, uh, you know, knocking Liverpool's title chances off. So until then, remember that together, we march on.